everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Big Beautiful Badasses. Today I am joined by Allison Tedford and we're going to have an amazing conversation about inclusivity. But before we jump into that, you guys know I survive on coffee and you know I love what I do. If you want to help me continue with what I'm doing, help me continue to share the messages that I'm sharing. I would love if you would consider going over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash this fat girl life. You could, you know, sign up as a follower free of charge. You're going to get notifications of different projects that are coming up. That's where I put all my information first. So you'll find out about upcoming guests. You'll find out about podcasts that I'm going to be on. You're going to find out about the book that I'm working on. Because yes, I am writing a book, y'all. And so that's where you find out all of that. But if you sign up as a member, it's $5 a month, cheaper than Starbucks, and you get access to the guided journals that I've created free of charge as a bonus for being a member. That is my thank you for doing that. So please go over buymeacoffee.com forward slash this fat girl life. Allison, I want to thank you so much for being on here today with me. Thanks so much for having me. It's so great. Of course. Before we jump in, why don't you tell everybody just a little bit about yourself? For sure. My name is Allison Tedford. I am a diversity consultant and I'm communications consultant from Abbotsford, BC, Canada. Um, I am an Indigenous woman with a disability and a single mom. And, um, and I just love what you're doing in terms of putting forth content about being size inclusive because that's something that's really important to me. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's something that it's kind of dear and dear to my heart. I am a fluffy gal. I love my fluffiness. But you know what? Being a plus-sized woman, there is there are so many places that we don't have access to, so many things we don't have access to. And that's where people like you come in because you work in that diversity inclusivity field. So you know, before we really start talking about it, for anybody who doesn't understand that term, why don't you explain what inclusivity is? Really, it's about creating access to opportunities, spaces, um, and services for all people, regardless of um, personal characteristics uh, like um, race or gender, um, any number of factors or reasons why people might be excluded. Um, and so really, it's it's about creating opportunities to like for business owners to expand your market um, and for consumers to be able to understand who's who's aligned with your values and who is available to provide you with what you need. And that I think is the key is that availability for what you need. You know, I talk a lot about clothing, you know, especially because at my size, I can't just walk into a store and buy whatever I want. And there, for people who can, there is, you know, that there's that privilege that they have that I do not have. And so I love what you're doing of trying to make things more accessible. And I even, I live by Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. My husband and I were in Denver this past fall or summer, one of the two. Um, but we went to a restaurant while we were there and I remember walking in and 
you know, before I really started seeing things for what they were, I would have walked in and, you know, thought nothing of it. But when I walked in, I was like, my God, I don't even know how somebody in a wheelchair would get in here. Because you've got three different turns just to get to the main seating area. The mm. tables were so compacted. Trying to put a wheelchair at the edge of the table would have been impossible. The only space that was spacious enough to accommodate was clear in the back of the restaurant. And I don't even know what the restrooms looked like. Like, I didn't even attempt that. Because my basic theory was if they can't even, you know, get a wide body or a wheelchair or anything else in there, I, I don't want to know. And I'm seeing it more and more, you know, for for what it is, really. And so when you work with businesses, what tools are you teaching Mostly what we do is we, um, I mean, the entry point that many people access work with me is they are often trying to hire me as a copywriter to write about, um, to make a statement on their values around inclusion. That's where a lot of people come in. And usually at that point we talk about, okay, well, we can write up something for you for your social media or your website. But if people come in and they find that that the inclusion that you've talked about being important to you isn't present in the business. You're, you've spent a lot of time and money attracting people who aren't going to stay because the thing that you've promised isn't there. So um, let's, in the process of writing this statement, take a look at what are the things that you are doing to include people? Who are the people you're wanting to include? And if somebody is a part of that group, how can they tell? How are you supporting them? Are there other things that you could do in order to um, improve that? Uh, and I mean, also recognizing that like not everybody has um, a lot of money for investing in improvements. So what are the steps that you can take gradually to increase your inclusion so that it's not an all or nothing thing? It's like, well, I don't have the budget of Apple or Google, so I guess I'm just not able to be inclusive. Well, that's not actually the case. Um, we can start small and incrementally improve. Um, so that's really what we look at is um, how are you welcoming people and what are the things that you can do to be more welcoming? Are there barriers? Um, what does your current client base look like? If there's a lack of diversity there, where, which are the communities that you're not connecting with and what, why might those be? And really taking a look at saying like, how can you refine your message? How can you make it clear that you're ready and able and willing and hoping to support different people? And, and how can you start making those inroads through meaningful relationships? So that's that's basically where we go with that. You know, I, I don't know how businesses are in Canada. I mean, I, I can obviously only speak for, you know, the states, you know, especially the states and, you know, cities I've been in. I don't want to speak for anything that I'm not familiar with. Um, so in your area, do you see a lot of businesses that are not inclusive? Um, you know, I think that there's, um, I mean, I, 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 I deal with a lot of what you deal with in terms of still not being able to find clothing. Um, and so when I see messages of inclusion from clothing businesses that aren't size inclusive, I kind of wonder about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's certain spaces where there's um, difficulty um, accessing physical spaces. I mean, I remember work, I worked in a 
in a building that had um, they had buttons and things to um, get into the building if you had a wheelchair. And they had a ex wheelchair accessible bathroom, but there was no way to get into the bathroom if you were in a wheelchair because they didn't have a button or anything. So, yeah, there's, I've, I've sort of defeats the purpose. Right? It was just like, yeah, okay, hopefully if you can get a buddy to come and open your door for you, like, that's not dignified. <laughs> so um, that's definitely something that I previously encountered. I mean, it wasn't an open to the public building, but I mean, staff are, are certainly people who need services and need to be able to access infrastructure like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I think there's definitely lots of room for people to feel included. Um, there are folks who are, uh, you know, subjected to um, increased loss prevention scrutiny by virtue of their race or how they present. Um, and that can be an uncomfortable shopping experience for people. Um, so there, yeah, there's definitely lots of, and I mean, and I think there's definitely been some improvement over time. I stayed at a hotel that at one time didn't permit indigenous people to rent hotel rooms. Like they had a whole policy about it, which is just like horrific. What? Yeah, historically, they, they I guess they had some incident at some time and um, they made a business decision not to do that anymore. I mean, that wasn't the case when I stayed there, but it was in the past of that hotel that we, as a group of indigenous people, could not have stayed there before. Okay, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. <laughs> no. How is that not just blatant discrimination? Well, I mean, it was, it was. And I mean, that was historical, but it, it was still a kind of a wild thing to be aware of. So, yeah, I mean, there's lots of things that, um, that were definitely even more challenging in the past, but now there's still things that people face barriers to. And... Um, but there is a whole movement towards more inclusion. And um, and I think that it's something that we're going to see a lot more change in. So I feel very hopeful um, towards the future. And I'm encouraged by the number of people who um, read my books, who um, interact with me on social media, who are asking, like, how can we do this? How can we welcome more people? How can people know what we care about? Um, and that's something that I feel really good about. So what kind of businesses primarily are you seeing reach out to you? Is it one type over another? I tend to see more, actually, I see more online businesses and um, and kind of e-commerce brands. Some brands that, like, I've... I've consulted with um, like a clothing brand that sells clothes in stores and also online. Um, but yeah, I do work a lot with, um, with online businesses and coaches um, and content creators and really looking at how to create inclusive spaces online. And that's really looking at things like moderation practices, um, community standards. Um, that's looking at the language that we use to invite people in to work with us. And, um, and the language that we use to explain what it is that we do. And, and also really looking at our methodology in terms of taking an intersectional approach and being like, what are the, the social factors that impact people needing services? What are the resources people have available in order to be able to, to do work? And, and how do we 
Welcome people. What kind of payment plans do we offer? Are, are we discriminating against people um, in making payment plans like significantly more expensive if we have groups that historically have had less access to credit? So really kind of looking at all of those pieces and seeing what are the best ways to welcome people in. Well, I'm, I'm going to say just myself, I would like to think that I am very inclusive in what I do. Um, I may have to like consult with you just to make sure that I am, you know, doing things the way that I ideally want to, because that's something that I do, you know, take very seriously. I know you and I spoke <laughs> before this meeting even, and I was very intentional with my expectations because I want to protect people. I want to, I don't want to cause undue harm with my words, with my actions. And that to me is very important. But I think, honestly, it takes, it takes effort to get to that spot because we aren't, these are not things we are taught in school. Yeah. Well, and we only know what we know from our experiences. So if we don't know why something would be hard for somebody else, then it's not something that's in our realm of experience. And I don't believe that people are necessarily um, trying to keep people away or trying not to serve certain people. But when you don't know what you don't know, that's something that can happen. And the reality is, is that even when you do, you bring in consultants, you do this work, right? Like we're all humans having human experiences near other humans having human experiences. So there's going to be times where we maybe don't know the right thing to say, or we might not understand why someone's asking for something. Um, and I think really what that comes down to is having the relationship with your audience and your people and being able to either get more information to understand why something's important or if you've made a decision that has impacted people inadvertently to be able to just apologize and make things right with your community. So ultimately it's not about like doing moral perfectionism. It's about doing the best you can and having, being in relationship with people and being able to ask for grace and being able to um, be authentic in your interactions with your people so they know that if something happens, it's not that you are intentionally trying to hurt anybody. So let's talk media. And I, I'm bringing this up because I actually did a podcast. Um, I was a guest on somebody else's podcast yesterday. And we were talking about, you know, what, what we saw in the media as far as sides when we were growing up. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, do you remember anybody of size that was in movies or TV when you were growing up? Um, I, I mean, I think of maybe like Roseanne um, or, uh, I mean, I watched Fried Green Tomatoes and there was some plus size characters in that, in that movie. Um, Kathy Bates. Yeah. Love me some Kathy Bates. I love Kathy Bates. She's the best. I mean, I was a reader, so I didn't, um, I didn't watch a lot of TV. We didn't always have cable either. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of a lot of situations where there were 
um, plus size characters that were not, you know, punchlines or sidekicks. Um, you know, I don't, I can't think of a lot of situations where it was um, a, a hero or a protagonist that was um, personable necessarily. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a barrier. I think the way that um, people of size are depicted in media can be incredibly problematic. But I mean, I see um, I see more examples in media now, which is encouraging. And you know, that's, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of this. Ask you if you feel like it's improving. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of This Is Us, um, and. Wow. I love it too. I wish that the storyline was there. I feel like in the beginning that it was a little bit one dimensional, her plot line in terms of um, there was a lot of focus on her, on her weight when there's so many other dynamics of her personality that were so much, you know, um, I, I just felt like that she was a bit one dimensional initially, but I feel like that there's been a lot of character development since then. Um, but yeah, I think that there's a lot more representation now. Um, than there has been historically. Um, and and I, th I mean, I think some of that is around um, really just indie media and being able to um, have more access to the industry from other people. But yeah, I, I, I feel like it's getting better, but I think there's lots of room for improvement. And there's still a lot of fat phobia out there that's really problematic that really needs to be um, addressed and I mean we just we can vote with our dollars in terms of what we choose to stream and what we choose to watch and um, you know which which people we choose to ingest content from because that's that's a way we we make a stand and that's how we tell people what's okay with us exactly and I love that you went there because that's exactly so much of what you just said is what I was saying last night so much of what you just verbalized is you know, part of what I am working on. I'm actually in the process of creating a new podcast mm -hmm. um, that is going to focus more on, you know, where we see that representation and really kind of promote that representation more. Um, and I totally love what you said about, you know, where we spend our dollars. I personally have gotten to a point where I am not going to walk into a store and spend my money there when I can't buy clothing that'll fit me there. You know, yeah. I'm becoming very intentional with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely important to think about who is, where is, where are people being welcomed and, uh, and in a meaningful way too. I mean, I think there's been lots of conversations around plus size fashion. Um, there's like a whole kind of whole thing around um, uh, even like Torrid, which has great lot, like a lot, a high level of of um, sizes and things, but just a sense that it's a lot of more of the same and that there's lots of people that are kind of wanting to see different things also. Um, so. Yeah, so it's also like not just it's not just about offering a lot of sizes necessarily, which is really important, but also thinking about like what do people want, right? Like, and what is what are people wanting to be able to access, and what would be meaningful and important to them? Exactly, because you know I I love a good moo moo to relax in around my house, 
but I am not trying to wear a muumuu out every day of the week. <laughs> that needs to not be the only option I have. I don't want floral print on everything I own. <laughs> I don't want to look like a couch. <laughs> you know, and I, 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 I remember back when I was younger, like in high school, they did not have clothing my size that was not made for older women. So here I am, senior in high school, wearing clothes that my mama was wearing. Yeah. Well, I just didn't look like an 18-year-old. Yeah, and the other piece is that, I mean, just thinking about sizing and fit, like, just considering that, like, that the way, like, the way people are shaped is different, right? There's lots of different shapes in terms of, like, like, it's, like, big, bigger is not just a homogenous thing where, you know, something of a certain size will look great on anybody who happens to be that size, right? And really Uh being able to offer options that that recognize the different body shapes and celebrate because i think that's really the important piece is we're not just accommodating we're celebrating i love that i love that and that you know when you were saying that it brought to mind a brand that i absolutely i love looking at her website and seeing all the different stuff that she's come up with and everything she has is customizable without price increase yeah. Which is huge. Yeah, the, I think the opportunities for customization are really important. And I mean, for me, one of the areas that I've been really passionate about has been representation and fitness of, of plus size women. And um, for me, that's looking to people like Louise Green, who's going to be doing some work with, I believe, MEC in terms of getting access to, you know, activewear for women of size, which is really, really, really important. Um and I think that that just gives us an opportunity to have a whole other conversation about um, that not being part of a, a de- journey to a, a different destination, but just that mm-hmm. less size people can enjoy fitness and it yep. doesn't have to be about weight loss and it doesn't have to have a specific goal. We all get to joyfully move our bodies and and that it's not necessarily about that. So. Um, yeah, so Big Fit Girl, Louise Green is just such a, an inspiration to me in that area. And and Roz Mays, who does a lot of stuff around pole fitness, um, is also really amazing. So, yeah, I think those are pieces where um, when we have increased representation and, and, and people start to see themselves as like someone who could be a gym goer, right? Not because mm-hmm. someone has told them they should for their health. But because, because they want some, to. because someone wants to be part of a community and someone knows that they're welcome to be part of that community. And I'm actually helping somebody with that. Um, I have a friend who has an active wear line and she's going into expanded sizes. And she was like, you know, what size do you wear? I'd love to have you try some on, wear them for about a week. Let me know your opinion. Give me your mm-hmm. feedback. And so I, I love that there are some brands out there that are branching out to this and realizing that fat people like it too. Right. <laughs> just because I'm fat doesn't mean I don't want to wear some really cute leggings. <laughs> exactly. For sure. 
Yeah, and that we also enjoy structure. <laughs> yeah. Well, Allison, I want to thank you so much for coming on here today. This has been an amazing conversation. I think it's one that definitely needs to be put out there. Um, I do have one final question for you, and I ask this of everybody that comes on. If you could speak to a much younger version of yourself, someone who maybe wasn't in a place where you're at now, someone who wasn't accepting of their body, what advice would you give them? Um, I think what I would want to say is that the things that you think are most important that people will value about you are not the things that people care about. People care about who you are and to not spend so much emotional and mental energy on trying to fit in when the thing that makes people love you is that you stand out. I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, again, I want to thank you for coming on, for having this conversation with me. You guys, I will be back next week with another amazing, or actually, no, I won't be back next week. I don't have anything scheduled for the 6th, so I will be back on the 13th. Um, my brain is kind of gone. So I, next episode will be on February 13th. I will be putting that information out there. Also, keep an eye out because I will be posting the link for the podcast that I filmed last night with Andrea Mays of We Are Not So Different. She will be coming on this show again. She was on last season. She's going to come back this season. Love her. Um, so definitely keep your eyes out. Make sure that you are tuning in to the buymeacoffee.com forward slash this fat girl life because that's when you're going to find out those dates. I hope everybody has an amazing day. Bye, guys. Bye.